Let's turn around, shake hands, and fellowship one with another. Our members welcome our visitors.
Thank you. You may be seated. We're going to ask Brother John Emery to come right now. He has a presentation he's going to make right now. And a little birdie told us that uh, somebody's having an anniversary today or thereabouts. Miss Sherry, would you come up here, please? Pastor? Twenty-seven years ago, if I remember right, and this is right, the knot was tied. <laughs> brought these two wonderful people together. Amen. And it's a privilege to have him as our pastor and his wonderful wife today. The half of the church, your people would love you. Sing happy anniversary to him. Here we go. Happy anniversary. Thank you. Forty one years yesterday is. talking last night we drove up to Dayton to the funeral home and then afterwards went out to eat and we were talking about how we're enjoying life more than ever before and each other ever before after we got rid of the boys we have really had a time amen <laughs> let's let our ushers come forward to receive her offering good to have all of you that are visiting and we appreciate all of you being here if you're visiting got the visitors packet if you'll take the guest card Fill it in, drop an offering plate. We'd appreciate it so much. And then I want to recognize just a couple of folk that are with us today that are very special, and we're thrilled to have them today. Folks, we've really prayed for, and there are miracles. It's good to have Glenda's sister Mary here from Knoxville, and she's a miracle to be here today. Let's welcome her. Thank you for coming. I'll often pray for her. And then it's a joy to have Barbara Cole with us. Barbara's over in the wing. Bobby's daughter, good to have her here this morning. So glad she's here. Both are testimonies to answer prayer, and we appreciate them being with us today. Let's recognize all of our fathers. This is Father's Day. Would you stand, and let's give all of our dads a good hand. Congratulations. Thank you. Appreciate our fathers. Terry, you turn 60 tomorrow, don't you? Today? Friday. He turned 60 on Friday. I thought he did. I was wondering why he was looking so depressed standing there. Amen. <laughs> Happy birthday. Just a couple of things let me quickly make mention of. Uh, of course, the fellows that sung Justified, they're getting ready to make a tape. Many of you have asked, uh, asked them when they're going to get a tape made and whatever there. And one of the ways that we can help them get the tape done as to uh, they're taking orders like uh, uh, to pre-order I guess or so forth like that and they're going to be in the lobby after the services and all you got to do is uh, pre-order the tape different things pay for it it helps them to be able to get the tape and uh, so if you're interested in that see Joe or see one of the fellows and like I say they'll be in the lobby after the services for the next several weeks for you to be able to pre-order and for them to pre-sell it and it helps them to raise the funds one of the ways that we can help them to raise the money to get their tape done. I think it's going to run about three or $4,000, so uh, you can help them that way. And then also I need to, tonight at 6 o'clock, we need to meet with all the nursery workers, all the parents that uh, their children's in the nursery. As you know, we're doing a lot of remodeling and renovating here. If you notice when you came in, as walls are tore out and different things. Next Sunday, you're going to be able to get a good idea of what things are going to begin looking like over the next several weeks. But one of the things we've been doing is uh, completely renovating the preschool department, brand new preschool building and uh, inside and so forth. And so we're going to have a lot of things. It's going to be, a lot of things are going to be different. Noah's Ark is our theme all the way through. It's going to be called Noah's Ark. And we're going to have nursery facilities for the toddlers and for the crawlers and for the cribbies, three different categories and new policies and everything. So I need to meet with every parent and with those who work in the nursery, those who are interested in working in the nursery, 
Uh, what we want our nursery to be in our preschool department is a ministry, and so we're really working hard for that. So if you could meet me this afternoon at 6 o'clock in the Couples for Christ class, I would appreciate that so much. And it's very important that we meet with you because we want to let you know what we're doing, where we're going, the changes that are going to be made, and uh, different things. But it's going to be a great, great thing for us, and we're really excited about it. And I would encourage you to continue your giving, and we're posting every week on the screen, put in the bulletin, letting you know how much money that is come in toward the building fund every week. I want you to give something, maybe special gifts, and this is all going toward paying for uh, the uh, new part there. And so you give and pray much about that. Then let me say it's good to have Berman and Mary Nell with us. Almost missed them. Berman and Mary Nell, good to have you home. Let's welcome them back. They were members here for years. Good to have you back. And they moved off to Alabama. Berman served as a deacon here for a number of years, but it's a joy to have them back in the services. Let's pray. Add to your prayer list uh, Mamie Shirley. Her father passed away. And, of course, Miss Keith, one of our new members, is her uncle as well. And uh, his funeral, Mr. Wilkie, will be at 2 o'clock this afternoon in Dayton, Tennessee. So remember the Shirleys and the Keys and all those that are involved. Pray for them and ask the Lord to bless all the members of the Wilkie family. Father, we thank you now for the joy of being able to serve you and for all the wonderful things you're doing. Continue to bless in this service today. Meet the need that we have in Jesus' name. Amen.
I'll put on a crown and walk around I love God's promised land oh, Glory, glory. I want to
kings from afar, the wedding, the water, the wine. Now it was done, they've taken her son. Watched him die too. She'd heard them call him just a man. But deep in her heart, she knew from the start somehow her son would live again. Child to walk, so. Ch- 
Just 
Let's take our Bibles and turn once again to 1 Chronicles chapter 4, the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 4, and we're going to look at our text that we have become so familiar with over the past several weeks one more time. 1 Chronicles 4, let's stand as we honor the reading of God's Word. 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. We've been thinking about the prayer of Jabez. How many of you have been praying that prayer? Have you been praying the prayer? Great. And I hope that uh, you'll continue to pray that prayer. Verse 9 said, And Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bear him with sorrow. You remember in the very beginning, we said that the name Jabez means pain. Verse 10, here's his prayer. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed, and enlarge my coast, and that thine hand might be with me, and that thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. Now look at the latter part of verse 10. This is where we'll take our thoughts today. And God granted him that which he requested. Thank you. you. May be seated. Let's pray. And this morning we're going to think about big prayers, big answers. Big prayers, big answers. Our Father, this morning we're so thankful that we have someone like the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter where we are in life, no matter what we are facing in life, no matter what we're going through in life, to know the Lord Jesus Christ is our own personal Savior is to have a friend and to have a refuge and a source of strength. We thank you so much, Lord, for just being who you are to us as your children. Now, Father, we thank you for the past several weeks and the truths of God that we have considered. And as we come to a conclusion of these thoughts this morning, we ask you, Lord, that you would take everything we have thought about and everything we have looked at, seal it into our hearts and put it into our hearts. Change our lives with it. Change our church by this wonderful truth. May we never be the same. May this place never be the same. Do wonderful things for us. Father, we do pray this morning that you would bless us indeed. And we do pray, Lord, that you would enlarge our coast, enlarge our territory, give us greater opportunities. Lord, I pray that your hand would be with us. And Lord, we do pray that you'll keep us from evil. Bless now the study this morning in Jesus' name. And for Jesus' sake we pray, amen. Again, for the past several weeks, we have been looking at a wonderful prayer in the Bible. Thinking about prayers, I think about a list of prayers or some prayers that I came across one time, prayers that were prayed by children. Let me just share with you a few of these prayers. Debbie, age seven, she prayed, Dear God, send me a new baby for mommy. The new baby you sent last week cries too much. Jimmy, age six, prayed, Dear God, who did you make smarter, 
boys or girls? My sister and I want to know. Norma, age eight, prayed, Dear God, how many angels are there in heaven? I'd like to be the first kid in my class to know the answer. Angela, age eight, prayed this prayer. Dear God, uh, could you please give my brother some brains? So far, he doesn't have any. Age, Hank, age seven, said, Dear Lord, thank you for the nice day today. You even fooled the TV weatherman. Agnes, age six, said, Dear God, please bring me a new brother. The one I got socks me all the time. Lois, age nine, prayed, Dear God, please help me in school. I need help in spelling, adding, history, geography, and writing. I don't need help in anything else. Diane, age eight, this is my favorite. She said, Dear God, I'm saying my prayers for me and my brother Billy because Billy is six months old and he can't do anything but sleep and wet his diapers. Well, we think about prayers, children's prayers and whatever. But over the past several weeks, we have been looking at the prayer of Jabez. And I want to say this morning, kind of in conclusion of the whole thing, I hope that our study of the prayer of Jabez has become as much a part of your life as it has mine. I don't know of anything that I have preached on or looked at over the, over the years that has challenged me anymore or stirred me anymore than the past several weeks and looking at the prayer of Jabez. And I confess to you this morning that the prayer of Jabez has become a part of my life. When I get up in the morning, one of the first things that crosses my mind, I'm not exaggerating, when I got up this morning, and the first thing that hit my mind was, Lord, bless me indeed. And as I get up in the morning, one of the first things I think of and start thinking about is the prayer of Jabez, and I find myself praying. And all through the day, I find myself praying some of the petitions of the prayer of Jabez. It's become such a part of me that almost without thought, I find myself saying, Lord, bless me indeed. Lord, enlarge my coast. Lord, would your hand be with me. Lord, would you keep me from evil. I don't know about you, but the prayer of Jabez has renewed and revived the place of prayer and the purpose of prayer and the power of prayer in my own life. My own prayer life has been greatly challenged. I am finding myself praying for things that I've often prayed for in the past, but now I pray for those things with the confidence that I'm actually going to get those things from God. The things we've been looking at, and I remind you once again, the four things that Jabez prayed for. Here they are. One, he prayed that God would bless him indeed. Second of all, he prayed that God would enlarge his coast. Thirdly, he prayed that the hand of God would be with him. And fourthly, he prayed that God would keep him from evil. E.M. Bounds said God's greatest movements in this world have been conditioned on, continued, and fashioned by prayer. God has put himself in these great movements just as men have prayed. How vast the possibilities of prayer. How wide its reach. It lays its hand on Almighty God and moves him to do what he would not do if prayer were not offered. Prayer is a wonderful power placed by Almighty God in the hands of His saints which may be used to accomplish great purposes and achieve unusual results. And the only limits to prayer are the promises of God and His ability to keep those promises. Again, in recent weeks, my faith has been stretched and my petitions have been enlarged. And in a fresh way, I've been made to see that prayer does lay its hand on the hand of Almighty God and that by prayer, great purposes can be accomplished and unusual things can be achieved. I hope again that this thing has got into your heart as much as it's got into my heart. Well, today as I bring to a conclusion our series on the prayer, Jabez, I want us to look at the last statement found in verse 10. The Bible said, And God granted him that which he requested. Now, what does that statement tell us? God granted him that which he requested. What is it telling us? For one thing, it is telling us that God gave Jabez exactly what he prayed for. Jabez prayed that God would bless him indeed, and that statement tells us that God did bless Jabez indeed. Jabez prayed that God would enlarge his coast, and God did enlarge the coast of Jabez. Jabez prayed that God's hand would be with him, and the hand of God was with Jabez. Jabez prayed that God would keep him from evil, and that's exactly what God did. God preserved the life of Jabez, and he kept him from evil. 
Well, let's look at this statement, and I want us to consider these three things, and three things that I gleaned from that final statement, and God granted him that which he requested. Look at these three things, the first being this. There is the person we approach in prayer. There is the person we approach in prayer. Put a circle of brackets around the two words, and God. Verse 10 begins by saying that Jabez called on the God of Israel. And it concludes by saying, and God granted him that which he requested. You see, the first thing you got to be aware of when you pray is that you are coming to God. What is prayer? Prayer is not just uttering words into the air. Prayer is approaching God. When you pray, you are coming to God. You believe that this morning? Say amen. Well, understanding that you're coming to God when you pray, that I believe you ought to approach God with, a certain, with certain attitudes. I believe that when we pray, there ought to be certain attitudes that exist as we pray. For example, one, I believe that because we are coming to God, we should pray with humiliation. Whenever we come to God, we ought to come to God with humiliation. Someone asked Augustine what was the first of religious graces, and he answered, humility. They asked him, what is the second? And he replied, humility. They asked him, what is the third? And he said, humility. Well, when it comes to the matter of prayer, humility should always characterize our approach to God. What do you mean by coming in humility? It is realizing the fact that prayer is a privilege. And prayer is a privilege that has been granted to those who are undeserving and those who are unworthy of that privilege. Do you realize this morning that we have the right to come to God as people that have trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior? We have the authority and we have the privilege of coming to God. I can talk with God. You can talk with God. But I want you to understand this. There's not a one of us that deserves that privilege. That is a privilege. But not a one of us is worthy of that privilege. If the truth of the matter was known, if we got what we deserve this morning, I don't care who you are, you may be an outstanding moral citizen, but I want you to understand this. If we got what we deserve from God's perspective, then he ties all up in a butt and throw every one of us into hell. For the truth of the matter is, we all deserve to go to hell. I remember a few years ago, Robert Shuler came out with a book entitled Self-Esteem, The New Reformation. And he made this statement in the book. He said, the most serious sin, now that gets your attention, don't it? The most serious sin. What is the most serious sin? Well, this is what Mr. Shuler had to say. He said, the most serious sin is the one that causes me to say, I am unworthy. Well, I don't want to punch a hole in your self-esteem this morning, but I would say, Mr. Shuler, Mr. Shuler, you are absolutely 100% wrong. And I would say to every one of you in this building today, we are unworthy. We don't deserve to be a child of God. We don't deserve to have heaven as our home. And we certainly don't deserve to be able to come to God in prayer. Therefore, when we come to God, we must recognize the fact that our only right to be able to come to God is the merits of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Therefore, we come in humility. We don't come in telling God what to do. We don't come in ordering God around. We don't deserve this opportunity. Therefore, we come in humiliation. Second of all, because we're coming to God, we should not only come in humiliation, but I think we ought to come in adoration. Remember when Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up on his throne? He saw and heard the seraphims crying one to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. He saw them adoring the Lord. When John was caught up in the Spirit, he heard a crowd whose number was 10,000 times 10,000. They were shouting, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power, riches, and wisdom, strength, and honor, and glory, and blessing. And both come to God in adoration. We ought to come to God in praise. We ought to come to God with gratitude. We ought to come to God in worship. We ought to come to God in adoration. Understand this this morning. When we pray, we're not coming to the big daddy in the sky. And we're not coming to the man that is upstairs. We're coming to a thrice holy God, one in which we stand in all of. So when we pray, we ought to pray in humiliation. We ought to pray in adoration. Thirdly, I, because we are coming to God, we ought to pray in appreciation. Remember what Paul said in Philippians 4, 6? Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. The Bible tells us when we pray, we're to pray with thanksgiving. 
that when I come to God, I am to come to God with a thankful heart. Paul expressed the same thought in 1 Timothy 2, 1, when he said, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. In other words, when I come to God, I ought to come to God with the attitude, I don't deserve this opportunity, but because of Christ I can come, come in humiliation, come in adoration that I am coming to God, the creator of the universe, my Lord, my Savior, coming in adoration, but coming in appreciation, giving thanks for all that he has done, expressing my gratitude. Gratitude should always be a part of prayer. But there's a th fourth thing. Because I am coming to God, I should come to God in humiliation. I should come to God in adoration. I should come to God in appreciation. I should come to God, fourthly, in expectation. How should I approach God? There's a person we approach in prayer. I ought to come to God believing. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. You know what Jesus was telling us? He was telling us that when we pray, we should expect answers to our prayers. If the truth were known, most of us in this building today, if we were honest, we would admit that when we pray, we really don't expect to get our prayers answered. I read about a little, a little girl who wrote a missionary, and this is a true story. Her Sunday school teacher got the names of some missionaries and their addresses, and she challenged all of her little class to write a letter to the missionary. And then she said to them, she said, now missionaries are busy and they may not be able to write you back. So in line of that, this little girl wrote this letter, Dear Missionary Smith, we are praying for you. We are not expecting an answer. Well, most of us, it be that way. We do not expect an answer when we pray. The truth of the matter is most of us aren't surprised when our prayers are not answered and we are surprised when our prayers are answered. But yet that's one of the reasons we don't get our prayers answered. We are to pray believingly. We're to come to God in a spirit of expectation. Let me ask you this. Why should we not expect answers to our prayers? When we come to God and ask God to do something, why should we not expect to get an answer? Are we not coming to God? Are we not coming to a God that is able to do great and mighty things? Are we not? Are we not coming to a God who declared that he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think? Being aware of the God that we're coming to, we should come believing that we're going to get an answer. For God is able to answer our prayers. Are you with me now? Say amen. There's the person we approach in prayer. We come to him. We come to God. And because we are coming to God, we should come in humiliation and adoration, appreciation and expectation. But there's something else in that statement that I see. Not only do I see the person we approach in prayer, but second of all, I see the petitions we ask in prayer. For you see, prayer is not only coming to God, but it's also a matter of coming to God and asking things of God. That's what prayer is. It is approaching God, coming to the Lord, and then talking to God about some matter, asking, seeking things from God. Verse 10 talks about that which he requested. You see, there were things that Jabez wanted. God, or Jabez came to God, and, and Jabez said, God, this is what I'm asking you to do. They were the petitions that he asked for. Well, over the past several weeks, we have become very familiar with those petitions. We mentioned them a moment ago. Bless me indeed. Enlarge my coast. Uh, may your hand be with me. Uh, keep me from evil. We have saw what he prayed for. But when I look at his prayer, I not only learned some lessons about what to ask for, but how to pray or how to come to God. When I look at the prayer of Jabez, I learned these two things. One, I learned that we should pray for specific things. They're the petitions that we ask, the things we ask of God. We should pray for specific things. Again, verse 10 speaks of that which he requested. Now listen to me. When Jabez prayed, he didn't pray in generalities. They were specific things he wanted. There were particular things that Jabez requested. He came to God and said, Lord, I want you to bless me indeed. He's asking God for something specific or specifically asking God for something. He said, Lord, I want you to enlarge my coast. He's coming to God saying, Lord, this is what I want you to do. Lord, I want your hand to be with me. Keep me from evil. He is praying for specific things. We often say, Lord, would you bless me? But Jabez said, Lord, I want you to bless me in 
deed. He's getting specific. He's saying, God, this is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to do it. Now listen to me this morning. One of the keys to effective prayer life is learning to be specific in prayer. Spurgeon said there is no need for us to go beating about the bush and not telling the Lord distinctly what it is we crave at His hands. We're to come to God and be specific. I remember reading a story in Reader's Digest. I love to read Reader's Digest. You like to read Reader's Digest? I love reading stories. And I was reading one story. You know, people send in stories that happen. And it was about this little boy, little uh, in church, and he's acting up in church, talking in church and whatever. And he said beside his dad, and his dad kept telling him to sit down and be quiet. He'd reach over and shake his leg and pinch him. He said, you sit down and be quiet. We're in church. And he kept on and kept on. And finally his dad got mad, jumped up, grabbed a little boy, put him under his arm and started out. About halfway down the aisle, the little boy cried out, y'all pray for me now. Well, that's being specific. Would you not agree? That's being specific. Well, let me ask you, what is it you want from God? What would you like to see God do in your life? When you pray, like Jabez, say, God, this is what I want you to do for me. Lord, bless me and bless me indeed. Lord, I pray that your hand be with me. Enlarge my coast. Keep me from evil. Being specific in prayer. You remember when the disciple came to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us to pray? Jesus responded by saying, when you pray, say, say. And then he proceeded to give us what is a model prayer, which we often call the Lord's Prayer. And he gave us a prayer that is not petitions. He taught us to pray in, in, in Luke 11 there, to pray, hallowed be thy name. He was teaching us to pray that God's name would be honored and God's name would be revered. He said, he taught us to pray, thy kingdom come. He's teaching us to pray that God's rule, that men would submit to his authority and to his lordship. He taught us to pray, thy will be done. He was teaching us to pray for the will of God to be done in all things. He taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. He's teaching us to ask God to meet our needs, our daily provisions. He taught us to pray, forgive us our debts. He's teaching us to pray for forgiveness and lead us not into temptation like Jabez. Lord, keep me from evil. It is petition, 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 petition. It is specific things. Jesus said, this is what you say. This is what you ask for. In other words, Jesus was teaching us, when you pray, say what you want. Pray specific in prayer. Don't just pray in generalities. Come to God. And say, Lord, this is what I'm asking for. Be specific in prayer. Amen? Amen. He teaches something else in this prayer. Jabez not only teaches me that I should pray for specific things, but the prayer of Jabez teaches me I should pray for significant things. See, if the prayer of Jabez teaches us anything, is that we should not be inhibited when we pray. Jabez didn't pray for little things. Jabez prayed for large things. He prayed for big things. He prayed for great and mighty things. Jabez said, Lord, I want you to do more for me than you've ever done. I want you to bless me a lot. I want you to enlarge my territory. I want you to do for me what you've never done for anybody else. He's not praying selfishly. He's wanting to know God. He's wanting to experience God in a measure that he's never experienced him before. He's not been inhibited what he's asking for. He's praying for significant things. You read that verse, and I hear it quoted all the time, let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace. I listen to Joy Boys on TV, on TV, and they act like that's a statement where you just run in, just tell God what to do and how to do it. No, when the Bible talks about coming boldly, it means that we come without being inhibited. That we have the right to come to God without fear or reservation of being turned away. That we can bring our hearts and the needs and the desires of our heart to God and freely ask God for those things. And God wants us to come and to pray for great and mighty things. I never forget reading the story of a man that came to Alexander the Great for financial help. And Alexander, he said, I need help. And Alexander told him to go to his treasure and draw whatever he needed from the imperial treasury. And the man did. He went over there and told the treasurer, and he asked for an extremely large amount of money. And the man refused, saying the large, that large amount had to be authorized. So the treasurer went to Alexander and told him, said, this man has asked for this much money. And Alexander said, pay the money at once. 
He said, He has done me a singular honor. By the largeness of his request, he has shown that he has understood both my wealth and my generosity. Do you believe, listen, are you with, do you believe God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think? Do you believe God is able to do great and mighty things? Do you believe there is nothing too hard from God? Then go to God and honor Him in the way that you bring your petitions to God. Don't ask for little things. Ask for big things. A.C. Dixon said when we rely on organization, we get what organization can do. When we rely on education, we get what education can do. When we rely on eloquence, we get what eloquence can do. But when we pray, we get what God can do. God can do great and mighty things, therefore pray for great and mighty things. I've been reading a book this week entitled Star-Spangled Men, subtitled America's Ten Worst Presidents. And one of the authors, in his opinion, one of the worst presidents that our country's ever had was Taft, President Taft, William Taft. And really Taft, he never really wanted to be president. His wife Nellie wanted to be president more than he did. He wanted to be uh, chief justice and whatever but the story told the story how on one occasion Theodore Roosevelt he was coming to the end of his term is in January of 1908 and he invited his good friend Secretary of War William Howard Taft and his wife Nellie to the White House well after dinner the president leaned back in a leather chair closed his eyes and pretending to be in a trance he intoned I am the seventh son of a seventh daughter I have clairvoyant powers I see a man before me weighing 350 pounds. There is something hanging over his head. I cannot make, it, make out what it is. It is hanging by a slender thread at one time. It looks like the presidency. And then the next time it looks like the chief justiceship. Taft looked at him and said, make it the chief justiceship. Nellie jumped and said, oh, no, no, make it the presidency. Well, let me say to you today, when you come to God, don't settle for that little things Make it the presidency. Get big things from God. There's a thing you pray for, significant things. You believe that this morning? God, Jabez prayed, and he prayed for specific things, and he prayed for significant things. But let me give you a third and a final thing. There is not only the person we approach in prayer and the petitions we ask in prayer, but thirdly, there is the promise we accept in prayer. Look at, listen to verse 10 again, the latter part of verse 10. And God granted him that which he requested. In other words, God gave him what he asked for. In those wonderful words, and you find those words, you find a wonderful promise that God can and God will answer prayer. I want you to understand something about 1 Chronicles 4, 9, and 10. The very fact that God included the prayer of Jabez in the Bible, it tells me that God has given me that same promise. He didn't put it in there just to make a good comment about Jabez. No, he put it there so that somewhere down the road we would claim the same things. It would become a promise that we would accept. What is the prayer of Jabez? Let me sum it up all this way. One, it demonstrates what God can do for us. It demonstrates what God can do. Jabez is an example of what God can do God can do in a person's life what he wants to do and he demonstrates what God can do for us second of all it declares what God wants to do for us you realize this morning God wants to do great things for you you realize has it sunk in yet Temple Baptist Church every believer here has it dawned on you that God wants to bless you indeed that God wants to enlarge your territory, that God wants His hand to be with you, and God wants to keep you from evil, it demonstrates and declares what God wants to do for us. I remember last year when I was invited to serve as chaplain of the day of the Tennessee Senate. And it was, it was, it was a very interesting experience, an overwhelming experience from the moment that I received the call to the actual day that I served as the chaplain of the Senate. But I remember they received a call, asked me if I would come and, and asked me the date and so on. So we scheduled whatever there. And, and it was a lot of things. It, it was an interesting thing. I wish I had time to tell you all the details. They sent me a parking pass, and special parking, reserve parking, all that kind of stuff. Sherry and I drove to Nashville. They gave me instructions about where I was to go. And once I arrived there, where I was to go once I arrived there and how to get there. They've had a little thing in their paragraph about instructions about prayer. 
and wanted to remind me that there were people of different faiths, many different faiths that were represented there, and they asked me to be respectful of everyone there and of their faith, but they made one mistake. They left this loophole in their paragraph they sent to me. They said, we want you to know there's different faiths, be mindful of all of that, but we don't want you to do anything that would be offensive to your faith. I knew what they were asking me. They want me to pray a generic prayer. They want me to talk about God. They didn't want me to say anything about Jesus Christ. But when they said that which would be offensive to your faith, I didn't and I did. Say amen right there. <laughs> but I, the instructions I got was that when I got to Nashville, to the uh, building right next to the Capitol building, park underneath whatever there, and go directly to the governor's office. Sherry went with me. We walked into the governor's office, and from the time we got there, they rolled out the red carpet for us. That first thing, first walked in our news, must say, oh, Reverend Trevor, Mr. Trevor, good to have you with us today. Is there anything we can get for you, anything that you want, anything like that? I mean, they just rolled out the red carpet. One lady walked out, and she thanked me for being there and asked me if I needed anything. She began to tell me a little bit about what would be going on. She thanked me for coming, and I, she said something about the governor's not here today, but he thanks you for coming. She took me down, introduced me to the lieutenant governor. He, big old tall fella, I don't remember his name, big old tall fella got up, took me around, showed me this, showed me that. We went back down to the governor's office to wait for someone that escorted us to the Senate chamber. Some of the representatives and senators from this area, apparently they knew that was going to be there. They came in, introduced themselves, and, and came in and spoke. It was election year, you know how that goes. So they all came down. Finally, this young lady came in. And she introduced herself and told me she was my escort to the Senate chamber. So we went down the elevator up this long hallway which went under the street up into the Capitol building and took us right up to, to the Senate chamber, walked on the inside. When I walked on the inside, there was another lady that met me there. She introduced herself and she began to tell me how things worked, what the protocol was, whatever. She took me over and set me down by the chair. There's a big raised platform there, kind of like if you watch C-SPAN, you see the Senate and so forth like that. You've got this... Uh, lower level here, and then you go up to another big old desk there where the Speaker of the House sits. Down here is a lower level, like where you see him walk up to a podium and speak and whatever there. And over, if you were looking out from the podium out, to the right was a chair. She called it the minister's chair. She told me to sit there. She told me how things would work, what the order was, how everything would happen. And she said, now you just sit here. Said so the senators will be filing in a little while. They'll know who you are because where you're sitting. And this is her exact words to me. She said, some of them will speak to you. And some of them won't speak to you. I guess, you know, just according to who it was, say amen right there. But anyway, they came in. Several of them come over, introduced themselves to me. Several of them spoke, told me where they're from, where their district was, introduced themselves, I introduced myself and whatever. But they told me this is what we do. They said, no, fella came up to me in a suit, nice young looking fella. He said, no, this is how it will work. He said, at a certain time, he said, I'm just going to tap you on the shoulder. And when I tap you on your shoulder, you walk right down to that lower level and just stand there. And he said, when you stand there, he said, then you'll know what will follow. And he said, when you get through praying, you turn, lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance. And when you get through with the Pledge of Allegiance and you turn around, the Speaker of the House will shake your hand and then you can step off the platform. So we went in and he said they would find. So they started filing in and it happened to be when they were voting on the lottery. So you had them split. They were over here, and you see them in little groups, and they're just going over here. You had them in little groups over here, Democrats on the left side, the Republicans on the right side. But anyway, the time came, the fellow walked over and just tapped me on the elbow. I walked down to the lower level, and when I walked to the platform, walked to that little podium there, the Speaker of the House, he came down with that gal, bam, 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 and he shouted out, the minister is at his place. This assembly is now being called in the session. Senators, take your seat, please. I begin to realize why we're in such a mess in Tennessee. They won't listen to a thing that's said. <laughs> he hit his gavel again, finally got them sit, seated. They all were seated there. Then the Speaker of the House, it's, it's all the protocol, he shouted out, Senator Ward Crutchfield, would you introduce our minister of the day? Senator Crutchfield got up. And he introduced me. And, and listen, if I ever, if I ever, never wondered what an influence this Fourth of July program had had and this church had had on different people, I realized it that day. Oh, he bragged high heaven on the church. And he told this and he told that and whatever and everything. But then I prayed. And when I prayed, turned, said the Pledge of Allegiance, turned as they told me to do, shook the Speaker of the House's hand and went out. Well, they had told me, they said, 
uh, the lieutenant governor has offered you his seats here to listen, whatever. I said, no, we'll just sit in the back. So when I got through, I went back, sat down with Sherry. Well, the young lady that had escorted the Senate chamber was still there. And she said, what would you like to do? I said, I just won't sit here for a while and just watch how they do things and listen to them and check things out. So we stayed a little while. But while we were sitting there, I finally looked over the young lady and I said, you don't have to stay with us. I know you've got a lot of things to do. You can go do whatever you want to. You don't have to stay here. And she looked at me and she said, Reverend Trivet, she said, my assignment today is to stay with you and whatever you want and wherever you want to go and whatever you want to do, I am to see to it that it is provided. No, I will stay. I thought to myself, anything? <laughs> they were vote. I said they were discussing the lottery. I thought, tell them I want five minutes. You know, whatever they're but That's a dangerous thing to ask a preacher. And they were good to me. They gave me many things. But I thought about, you know, I've, I'm telling you, God, I've got a greater offer than that. God has said to me, call unto me. And I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things. God is telling me, he's telling me to come to him. That he wants to do more than just take me to heaven. He wants to bless me indeed. He wants to enlarge our opportunities. He wants his power to be real in our life. God wants to do great mighty things. Will you let him do it? Will you let him do it? Here's the prayer. Look at it. Pray it. Let's pray it. Jabez, say it with me. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed, and that thou wouldest enlarge my coast, and that thine hand might be with me, and that thou wouldest keep me from evil. Let's stand to our feet, please.